Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Todd Randall, and he is the founder and CEO of Beachview Group of Companies. Todd, how are you doing today? Welcome. Hi, Wesley. I'm doing great. Happy Saturday. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. I'm ex- I'm excited to learn more about um, you know, these businesses that you've created and these companies that you've grown. Would you mind just letting the people know uh, you know, where they can find you on the internet, social media, websites? Yeah, sure. I, the best way is to find my website. I have a website called beachview.biz, B-I-Z, um, and it highlights the businesses that I've run and it by, you know highlights ways that you can get in touch with me. That's the best way to do that, beachview.biz. Absolutely. And so let's just start from the top and talk a little bit about you know where you're from and where you grew up. Mm. Oh, sure. I grew up on a dairy farm in upstate New York. Um, and so it was a very rural lifestyle. My parents were very smart, caring people. I had a very good uh, family life. Um, but for whatever reason, grass is always greener, right? I always felt because I grew up in a very rural part of the world that I wanted to become a sophisticated person, you know, because we didn't have an opera house in town and, and, uh, people hadn't traveled the world that much. Um, that's just the way small towns operate sometimes. And so I worked for the first 30 years of my life trying to become sophisticated, thinking that I was on my path, uh, only to realize at the end that that has many graces and 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 there's much beauty in you know understanding the way the rest of the world works a bit um but that i craved you know coming back to my roots and so my career has taken full circle i had i've got an academic degree i had academic jobs and then i went into sales and i started helping people run their companies because I, i had an expertise that was fun um and once i started helping other people run their companies uh, gave me the confidence to think, ah, someday, you know, when I'm tired of the rat race, I'd love to have a, a small company of my own where I could use my own judgment. And over the last 15 years or so, this is essentially what I did is I just started with one and that rolled into a handful. And now my business is becoming more complicated, et cetera. And, um, and that's my lifestyle these days. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that you grew up in a rural area, rural part of town, and mm-hmm. I can uh, agree with, I can relate with that. That resonates okay. with me because I did the same thing. But, you know, what I want to ask is, how did that impact your outlook on life and success? Yeah, well, I, th- I think my view of success was clouded at the time uh, because I had restrictions. And uh, restrictions are the, you know, the fodder for much innovation and much ambition, I think. Uh, there was something that other people had that I didn't. And so it drove me. I, you know, I got two degrees. My parents both got two degrees. We all thought the way out of a small town was academia, uh, you know, scientists and teachers and professors and that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I think it had a really imp- big impact on my life and that it drove me to be an expert at something, thinking that I needed to get out of a small town. And eventually I realized that the, there are charms in a small town you can't find anywhere else. Um, and that the small town was just part of the beauty of life. And, you know, people make choices, of course, they prefer a small town or a big city, but at least now I didn't have a bias, you know. So did growing up in that small town instill this work ethic in you that you have today and that that's <laughs> reflected in your in your uh, rich history? Yeah, um, I can hear my father and my grandfather's voice in me so often uh, because on a, on a dairy farm, especially in a rural environment, um, it's quite laborious. And mm-hmm. in the end, you know, the work doesn't get done unless you do it personally for the most part. And so we were always had an early regimen. We we're always up before five o'clock. The cows need to be milked before feeding. Um, and uh, then it was a long day and you milk the cows when it's dark again. 
and you come home at seven or eight o'clock at night. And, and by the way, if there was a fence that got down in the middle of the night, there's no one you can call. There's no fixed fence repair service, right? You Absolutely. put on your boots and you go out in the middle of the night during the storm and you fix the fence and then you go find the cows that got out and then you drive them home and then you get up at five o'clock and milk. And that's just the way it goes. So yeah, there are sometimes like the last six months, I bought a company a little while ago that proved to be a bit more complicated than I expected. And we've had some some bad luck. Um, and for the last four months, I moved to Jacksonville and I'm here at 630 in the morning and I'm here at 10 o'clock at night. And that's just the way things go. Um, and some of my family haven't seen that in me in six or seven years. Um, and uh, you know, they, they're asking me tough questions. But the fact of the matter is being an entrepreneur just requires that sometimes. So I'm really glad, really glad that some of those ethics were ingrained in me early so that I don't really struggle with, oh, I have to work. 12 or 15 hours a day for a couple months that's sometimes that's just part of the gig absolutely i mean and let's just transition into and, and look at some of the companies that you've built in 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 this sure. company that you're currently building right now and growing so i want to mm -hmm. ask what is beachview group of companies yeah so um i uh beachview by the way is when i moved to california i rented this ridiculous apartment overlooking the, the water um, and I treasured it every single day. And it reminded me that sometimes it's worth the money to give yourself um, a view or to put yourself in a place that makes you happy. Right. Um, and it was just apartment. I didn't I didn't buy it, but it put me in a place where it really made me happy. And so I named all the companies after that Beachview something, because it reminds me of a time that just one thing in my life brought me so much happiness that I, you know, striving to put that back together. Um, so Beachview, I started I was. Um, uh, kind of a mid-level executive at a $300 billion company. I was helping that company and, and several companies subsequent to that build small and medium-sized businesses. And I decided at some point that I want to do my own thing, and um, I didn't have an idea. And this is a struggle that lots of entrepreneurs have. They think, well, geez, I, I didn't invent the Rubik's Cube, or I don't have a million followers on YouTube, therefore I'm not an entrepreneur, and nothing could be farther from the truth. There are lots of ways to start a business. And I knew for sure what I wanted to do was run a small business. And finally, I kind of stumbled upon uh, franchising, which are other people's business ideas. And they want you to run one location. Or they want you to run one, one type of business they have. And so I opened my first business was a, a massage and skincare franchise. And I used the name. I had to build a location. I had to rent a space. I had to hire the staff. I had to take the trash out and, you know, capitalize the business and then i had to handle customer service and marketing but it was under somebody else's umbrella absolutely right yeah and then i learned eventually that even a small business can consume you so i really had to think strategically about how to leverage myself um and we were you know not successful and then a little bit successful and then moderately and very successful at scaling those businesses and we had uh two large locations um, in San Diego. And then I upped that. I bought two gyms and did the same thing where I built them from scratch. Um, I had a consulting business where I was consulting for startups in my old space, which was MedTech. Um, I brokered a few deals. Uh, so I was a broker for a couple of software companies, uh, helping them exit and transition to new ownership. Um, and then the last couple of companies I bought were construction. Um, I'm not sh I'm not sure I can explain the transition except that I wanted to do something that I felt a little more in touch with that I could use my hands and not just my brains all the time. 
Um, and that's, you know, this business that you can see behind me is a fencing wholesale materials business. Um, and it's, you know, nothing could be farther from my experience in the other businesses that I ran, but I enjoy it so much because everything that there's so many business skills that do translate, Absolutely. um, you know, working capital management, staff management, risk mitigation, um, marketing, those things do translate well from one business to another, but there's some things about this business that are quite special, you know, small account management, um, there's some, there's a construction mindset where you're using your hands and you like, uh, it's a Saturday. I, I won a particularly big order a couple weeks ago and I didn't have the staff to handle it, but I won it anyways. And so I'm out here building gates today. And that's, you know, th those are the kind of things you run into when you, when you run a small construction business. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to ask, how did you go about gaining your business IQ and this business acumen to mm -hmm. have the knowledge and the understanding to to work within these different industries? Was it more so trial and error? Was it a certain mentor that you connected with? Was it any books that you read? How did you gain this acumen? Yeah, I was really nervous about this actually, um, Wesley. So I'm, I'm glad you asked this particular question. The um, When I was in the corporate world, I worked really hard for my bosses and for my companies and they mostly recognized me for that, but it's relative. Right. So the companies would make millions and millions of dollars off the work and the transactions that I brought in. Um, and in return, they would take care of me. And I just, you know, I saw that in my own business, I could have a better return for the work that I gave. Um, but I just didn't have the balls to move. I didn't have the balls to go try something. Um, and so at first I did the easiest business that I could find. It was a franchise. It was somebody else's idea. They gave me manuals and there were lots of people that I could call and say, you have a business exactly like mine. What do I do? Um, and so I think I probably went too late to be more specific about answering your question. I did get some skills in a corporate environment. I probably had enough skills to do it, but once I got to running a business, it all like you have to turn the egg timer over and start completely afresh because none of the skills, very few of the skills actually learned in a corporate environment were super relevant. I just needed the confidence to start. Um, now, once I got here, I changed my mind a little bit and I'll say that running a small business is not magic. Like you don't need to be pretty or tall or rich. None of those things translate very well. Um, running a small business is really the, the ability to accumulate objective business skills and then just apply them. And I do apply them and I make mistakes all the time, but I learn from those mistakes because it's my damn business, right? When I make a mistake, it hurts. My customers upset, my staff leave. I lose money. Like something really impacts me when I make a mistake here. I learn the lesson and then I just do less of it next time. There's Absolutely. no such thing as curing it, but you do learn. And so I coach my, my, my um, clients. I, I have some coaching clients um, all the time that, uh, you know, get through the fear because small business is mostly a, um, a collection of business skills that you either know or you don't, but you can learn over time and then just accumulate them and apply them. And so, what do you say is the best way to kind of overcome that fear? Is it just to <laughs> jump straight in? What what is your what has been your <laughs> strategy to to overcome it? I'll tell you the way I did it, and then I'll tell you the way that I would do it again. <laughs> the way I did it is I hung around corporate for twenty two years, and I just sucked in the knowledge all around me to build enough confidence. And when that didn't do it, I went and I paid, you know, an ungodly amount of money to an MBA program. And at the end of that, I realized that I still was anxious. <laughs> I thought, oh, great, well. 
maybe those things weren't the answer. And I just jumped. I just, I just did it. You know, I had a, some traumatic life event that made me kind of reconsider uh, everything. And everyone has those sometimes. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? You know, let me just try something that's more satisfying. And when I left, it was a big sigh of relief because I realized that it wasn't quite as hard as I thought it was. Um, so let's see what your question was. <laughs> how does someone, how do you relieve the anxiety and allow yourself to jump? I think mentors are great. Friends are better. Um, you need to have some inner confidence and, and let me be the first one to assure you that starting a business is really just as easy as starting. Every marathon starts with a single step. Um, every journey, you know, starts with leaving the house and locking the door. And I, I say, do those things. It doesn't have to be all in. You don't have to dive into the deep end. You can start with a side hustle and just apply yourself and you'll find over time that it's either working or it's not. And yeah. just do more of the stuff that is working. Right. No. And I think that's some great advice. And, you know, another question that I wanted to ask is that I can imagine that in your industry and just working with different business owners and working with working in different with different businesses and working with different vendors, building relationships is a very important piece to what you do in, in maintaining these companies and, and uh, expanding these companies. So what yeah. would you say is the importance of building these um, building these relationships? Yeah, the most important thing for me, I found it in every sales and business relationship I've ever had, is that people generally start them by sitting on the opposite sides of the desk. And I think that that works against you. It really detracts from the ability to find a good relationship, right? I always think mentally you want to get on the same side. Mm -hmm. So when staff come to me and they're really struggling with some kind of conflict, I will get out of my chair and I will move over to the other side of the desk and I'll take a piece of pad of paper, any excuse at all. Because the physical manifestation helps them set up the mindset that I'm looking for, which is, hey, you and I, we're working on this together. This is not you against Todd. This is not Todd against you. Um, and so that's the mindset that I really recommend for people when you build relationships is to start on the same side of the desk. What is it that you're both trying to accomplish? Right. Like, for instance, my clients here at this uh, fencing wholesale business, um, they have relationships now that are very hard for them to manage. Um, if you go to a big, like a huge box fence supply store, they want you to order by the truckload and that's a lot of money. They want you to wait two weeks and that takes a lot of planning, but, you know, um, they want you to pay in advance of time and, and that's, you know, requires working capital. So the question is, what are they trying to achieve, right? They're trying to get the right amount of materials as close to installation as possible so that they don't have to carry and they want it with no mistakes so they don't have to stop what they're doing, come back and get more. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And so if I sit on the same side of the desk as them, I can say, I think I hear what you're saying. You find that you're having to plan too far ahead for these jobs, right? And it helps me come at them with something that helps them reach their goal as opposed to just reach mine, right? Like in that case, I have a problem with that. If you call me the day before and you want a truckload worth of stuff, I may not have it on a lot, right? So help me help you. Here's how I can solve your problem. If you have an idea of what jobs you have estimated. If you can give me some visibility into that, that helps me have the things on the lot that I need so that you can come in and get things next day. Oh, right now we're both working on the same problem. And so I think for business relationships, get yourself on the same side of the desk. That's my number one piece of advice. Once you're there, then all the problem solving skills you've ever learned in your life apply um, because you're working towards the same goal. Absolutely. I mean, in, in what you just said, I feel like our, are the essentials for being an entrepreneur so you know for first 
you have to be curious enough to ask these questions. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. second, you have to be a good listener. You have to actually listen to the client to understand their problems. And then third, you're providing these solutions that you're providing these solutions that um, that other people may not care to provide because they did not actually listen or they're trying mm -hmm. to make them fit into a certain mold, but you're listening to each individual client and providing individualized solutions to solve their problems. Yeah. I think um, you, you bring up so many good points there and it reminds me that uh, the, the fundamental thing for making a business thrive is authentically delivering some value to your clients. And I think so many people, gosh, if you look at so many businesses that are successful some uh, these days, um, there are some businesses that are flying right now that genuinely offer no value to the client. Bitcoin is a good example of that, right? Out of the million people who've invested in Bitcoin, you know, 3% of them are become billionaires and the other 97% uh, have lost their investment. How is that valuable to your clients? Are your clients billionaires or are your clients the lucky? Are they the 1% that get lucky on this? Probably not. If, if you know, the law of averages is correct, you know, your customers will probably lose money. Is that what you're in business for? You have to ask yourself that tough ass question is what are you here for? You're here to provide value to the client and you need to authentic because if you authentically provide that value, it won't be that hard for you to get on the same side of the desk. Here's what I'd like to provide for you. And this is the way I've set it up. Prove me wrong. Like, is this not valuable to you? Because I'll change the whole thing. And they can look into your eyes and they know that you mean it. It's like, wait a minute. Todd's willing to open up earlier or Todd's willing to stay open later. I can see it in his eyes because he thinks he's delivering the very best service time for us. But he doesn't realize that 4 o'clock in the afternoon is actually not helpful. We need the materials on our way out, which means our guys are leaving at 6 or 6.30 in the morning so we can, they can get to the, the, you know, the work site at 7.30 or 8.00. And once they educate me on this, and I'm like, okay, and I can show them that I'm willing to change my hours as a way of authentically serving them. So yes, be on the same side of the desk, but the best way to get on the same side of the desk is to authentically be in the business to bring value to them. And I think you highlighted that very well in your in your three points. Absolutely. I mean, and it, it also just shows the the um the humility and the in the consistent curiosity that you have when it comes to diving into these new businesses and these new companies, you still approach it from a student perspective. You're still trying to learn mm -hmm. every aspect of the business and not just think, okay, I have an idea and this is how we're going to do it. You, I mean, I know you have a plan, but you're still willing to learn and adapt and grow with it. Change that and plan all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when I hear about people who, who find these sort of niche businesses and niche companies to, to get involved with, it's always interesting to me about, how they even found out about it how 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 did you learn about this industry and 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 fencing that that you wanted to get involved with it and you just understood it how did you learn about it my biggest uh business acquisitions have been through um friends of friends relationships connections and stuff and i am not a networker i don't go to networking meetings when i'm out with friends i'm not always trying to find the, the point of leverage, right? I've heard this time and time again, you're only as successful as your five closest friends. I just don't buy it. I just don't think that's a way, that's a reason to develop friendships. It's a reason to have professional relationships perhaps, but it's not a release to develop, to develop friendships, right? Um, so for me, the reason that people were connecting with me is because I offered something of considerable value 
and a developed reputation for doing it well. That's all. And so I recommend that for people in any space. If you are a coach of girls volleyball, be the very best coach of girls volleyball that you can. And when people come to you for advice, give it freely, generously. Develop a reputation for being a great coach and for caring if they succeed or not. Because in the end, like I was approached in San Francisco one time, there was a, a, a gym near my house. And the girls would come out there and work after school with their seventh grade math teacher because they didn't have a volleyball coach. And they said, hey, do you want to coach a, a girls volleyball team? And I said, well, like me being a good player may not translate into a good junior high school coach. Um, and so I went and I asked people their advice. And lots of people were willing to ask their advice, some of them more generously than others. And when I finally hired someone um, to be my mentor and to be an assistant coach on that team, I hired the person that was most generous with me because I knew them best. They weren't holding anything back. And so that's the first reason. About 50% of my businesses have been from that. It's like um, my friend Lisa called me one time and said, I'm trying to sell a $100 million real estate deal to this fella. And uh, he can't get the deal done because he has a small software company that's bleeding money. And his, it makes his banks really nervous. Now, you're good with small software companies. Do you think you can help him? And I said, yes. And I didn't say how much. I didn't say my fees will be X. I just said, of course I will, because Lisa was my friend. And I called and I was walking him through it. And a couple hours in, I, I said, I'm just going to get on a plane and come see you if that's helpful to you. And he said, yes, how much is it? And I'm like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm helping a friend right now. Um, why don't I get there and see what's up? I, I flew into town. I got there. Within 20 minutes, I realized he didn't want to fix it. He wanted to sell it. Mm. And I, I want a brokerage deal on that. And we didn't need to ne negotiate fees because that was universally accepted in the industry. Everybody gets X number of basis points for a sale. And I said, I, I, I set them up with a buyer and, and off we went. So I think be generous with your time, develop an expertise, offer sincere value and people will find you. Absolutely. So sometimes I go on long rants and it's better to summarize at the end. So I think you asked, the question was, you know, how is it that I find new deals or find new businesses? And I think 50% of them come from just offering such compelling value and being generous enough with your time that people will find you. That's the first thing. The second thing is I've always had professionals looking for me. Right. Yeah. I, you never know when someone can help. I, people will call me once you own one business, it's inevitable. Like people are falling at your doorstep with, with, with banners. Do you need financing? Do you want to buy another business like this one? And so I would usually spend 10 minutes and say, this is my next step. This is what I'm looking for. And every once in a while, one of them would call back with something interesting and I would review it. And sometimes it was, most of the times it was not the right business for me, but I was earnestly looking each time, developing a relationship with them. And they knew that I wasn't a waste of their time. And so eventually we found one like this. Yeah. Absolutely. And it just goes back to the beauty of building relationships and providing actual value to your clients yeah. and the people around you. Um, you know, if you bring legitimate value to every relationship you have, you will find that there is a karmic effect, which is not karma at all. It's just reciprocity. Right. Um, that, that does come back and help you. Um, I wouldn't think about it that way because it's better to think about it as generosity. But remember, while you're doing it, you know, maybe this maybe this makes the it less painful to be up at night helping somebody start their business. Just remember that you, you are developing reputation when you're being generous with your time. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we just mentioned the different businesses that you've, that you've uh, grown and built and, and just having to manage so many things and juggle so many things at once, you know, you're still managing four businesses remotely. So I want to ask, 
how do you how do you um for lack of a better term manage and juggle these different tasks and different responsibilities and different companies that you have on your yeah. plate yeah that's a real tough one i feel like i'm um i'm an experienced delegator um and my coaching business has a, a real reputation for delegation we have a five-step plan that we walk people through and help them learn to delegate tasks but i think there's also a sense of knowing in the 80 to 20 sense there are some things that require your urgent attention and some things that can wait and an entrepreneur's life is constantly juggling those two things when i got to this business uh, there was a security concern and I couldn't do anything. My staff didn't feel secure until I fixed a hole in the fence, right? There were thieves coming in in the middle of the night. So I talked to the police and I put up lights and I put up a new fence and uh, I put up new cameras and like nothing else really can get done until I solve that. Right. Right. And you have to, you have to have good judgment when you get there to realize what's the one, what's the biggest thing preventing you from moving on. Um, so so I, th I think that the delegation is the most important thing to help you manage your time. You need to find people that are doing things as well as you so that you can kind of offload it from your brain. And you have to take care of the most important things first. There are some great podcasts and some great mentors out there that help you prioritize your mornings and prioritize your email and prioritize your days and weekly planning and stuff like that. Watch all of them. Most of them are horseshit because they don't apply to you, but they really work for someone and there's a lesson in there, right? So figure out what that is and, um, you know, devise some plan that works for you that helps you prioritize. Absolutely. While I was, you know, doing my research on you and learning more about you, I found out that you were gener generating $6 million annually, which is a very exciting thing and it, and it it looks extremely cool on paper but i want to ask how does that feel for you is it ever a moment where that number gets intimidating when you look at it like man i have to keep this how do you just handle um that responsibility yeah because six million could be big or small uh depending on the business um it's hard to get fired up about it unless you know how much of it you keep and how much risk it presents to the business Right. Um, like one of my businesses, to be fair, is a wholesale business, which is pretty low margin. Right. So that um, kind of disproportionately scales my revenue. One of my businesses um, is strictly, you know, cash on services, which is different. Every every dollar you get there is earned. Right. So we have a mix, um, but they all come with a little bit of different risk. Um, does six million feel like a lot to me? No, it just feels like it is what it is. I don't, I'm not intimidated by the number. Um, there are some times where there's real risk associated with carrying that much revenue because things do happen that are out of your control that can impact your number by 20%. And then the question is, where are you going to replace a million dollars? Right? Um, you know, Facebook has a bad quarter and they sold a quarter of a billion less than they did the quarter before. And there's somebody that feels like their head might roll for that. Um, but there's a little bit of variability that happens with every business. And I think you just have to consider the scale of that as part of the part of the answer. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, just another interesting topic is something that I thought was was uh, really cool is that not only have you, you know, ran these successful companies, but you've also successfully exited three of them, 
which is I feel like something that's not really talked about a lot or not talked about enough and people don't really understand what exactly that means so I mean could you just elaborate on that a little bit more what it means to successfully exit yeah um yeah and I'll uh qualify this one as well because to successfully exit doesn't always mean that you make a billion a million dollars right um, to successfully exit uh, means that there's a time in your life where a transition is relevant or Im- important to you and that you can transition to something else. I have I have a lot of friends that are in a business and they were so good at it for so long and they hate it now and they mm-hmm. can't get out. They can't get out. And inevitably what happens is they start running the business poorly and now they're in a business that's failing and they can't get out. Right. And the only thing they can do is walk away. But in some businesses, you can't. One of the businesses I had carried a lot of liability with it at any given time. So you can't just walk away because you're paying liabilities for years and years to come. Millions of dollars worth of liabilities in my case. And I had to sell those. And so part of my successful exit was to transfer those liabilities to someone so that I, you know, I wasn't responsible for them. Right. And so if I made a million dollars in the sale, that's all fine and good. But I may have transferred, you know, two millions of liabilities, which is twice as good as the, you know, the sale price. So, um, yes, there's something particularly um, uh, relieving about exiting a business because there's always every business that you have has special concerns and anxieties that come with it. And when, when you leave one behind a gracefully, elegantly, there's uh, there's a certain amount of pride that comes with it. That's just, it's more satisfying than getting a check. I'll say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, from the, from the companies that you've ran and from just your, your past and your experience, what would you say are some important business lessons that have stuck with you throughout, you know, your 30 year, business journey? Um, I think the business relationship parts that we talked about before is, is the most important one is that you have to be providing authentic value to somebody. You're not in business for the right reason. And then eventually it'll come to haunt you. Right. So be in business to provide value to someone. Um, and then you have to, you have to really focus. Um, maybe dramatically is the word I'm looking for. You really have to dramatically focus Right. If there are five things that are important, there's one thing that is clearly more important than the others. And what you tend to do is you tend to list all five and say, okay, I'm going to get these five done. But the most successful entrepreneurs take that first one and clobber it, clobber it. And I'm learning to do this better and better later in life. I used to kind of, you know, work on all of them because I was a, I was a check marker. I needed to check all my boxes. I didn't work on all five things. I didn't have a full day. And now I think to myself, how much did I impact that first bullet? Because if I impacted that first bullet a lot, I had a great day. And who cares about the other four for now, right? Exactly. Um, for instance, when I got here, I realized immediately that the security concerns were far and above everything else. And I spent the first week putting up security cameras and everything. And people are like, oh, how much inventory do you have? Who are your customers? Who are this? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, nothing is going to happen around here unless the security is fixed. Absolutely. Right? So I think a little more of a laser focus, a look at Elon going into to Twitter, right, and realizing immediately that this business is losing scads of money. And their business plan to start was, we'll just make it up in volume. We'll be such a large platform that advertising money, even a little bit of advertising money per user, will add up to billions of dollars. And they tried it for a year, and they tried it for 10 years, and they tried it for 20 years, and that wasn't working. And so Elon went in and he's like, okay, first things first. Too many expenses, we're gonna, we're gonna slash expenses. And he doesn't do it by 5%. That's not the way he thinks. He's like, what if we cut expenses by 70%? which is really hard for an entrepreneur to consider because change is hard for everybody to swallow, even entrepreneurs. 
Um, and that's something I'm, I'm better at now than I was 10 years ago is coming in and realizing what's most important. And then what would it take to solve that in 30 days instead of three years? Like what's I mean, a dramatic answer to this problem, right? Exactly. I mean, and this is the interesting thing to me. I can still hear the passion. I, I mean, I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about yeah. just business and understanding and learning more. And even though you're you're managing all these businesses, you you take the time to study what Elon and what these other successful entrepreneurs are doing and, and, and thinking about how you can implement that in your life and put the puzzle pieces together. So how important is continuous education and continuous learning for you? Constantly. Yeah, constantly. Um, there'll come a time like my top, I always have a top five list, top five things that require my attention. Um, and that means that lots of things are neglected and you have to be comfortable with that, by the way, that, that's another lesson of an entrepreneur is to realize that there are a lot of things that are just not getting taken care of. Um, eventually if they become urgent, then you take care of them then. Right. So I always have a list of, of five things and inevitably two or three of those things are things that I don't, I don't understand very well. Okay. Um, as part of this business, there was a, a piece of the business that was pretty high margin. Um, that we were, for whatever the former owner had dismissed it, and I realized we needed to get into it, and there was no one willing to teach me because I was I would be a new competitor, and so I had to learn how to do it personally. And you, and you have to ask yourself, Todd, you're running, you know, this is a pretty big business. You're running a, a four or five million dollar business here. Why are you outside building gates? Because it it has to be understood before it's delegated. And so I'm out here learning it so I know where all the hot spots are and where the opportunities are. I'm not going to do it forever. That's not a good use of my time, but it is absolutely a good use of my time to understand the products that I sell, to understand the high margin and low margin products. It's important for me to understand my customers here or I won't I can't offer authentic value, which was our key point from before. And so just speaking of, you know, successful delegation and understanding the task, um how do you focus on well, let me back up. What is the importance of having a good team and how do you focus on building yours? Well, every business that I've had that's done well has had a great team. Um, and sometimes I stumble into it and sometimes it's it's really tactical where I've decided I need to have a great team. But uh, they all have. And so now it's what's always one of my top priorities, right? You have to have a plan first and then you have to gather the resources to make the plan work. And then as soon as you have those two things, it's it's mostly about staff. It's mostly about staff because like some things, like I told you, I, I've discovered something that I think is important to the business and I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm going learning everything about it. But as soon as I learn it, I'm going to hire someone for that position and I want them to be better at it than I was. Right. My job is to find the 80 20s. What's the most important part about this? What's the biggest risk about this? Who are our customers that this is most valuable to? Which type of customers is this not important to? I need to find out those things. Right. And then I need to do a couple cycles just so I vet it out. Um, and then I have to hand it off. So yes, most, I would say even now, I've, I've been in it uh, about a year and a half. Even now, I would say 70% of my time it are, is doing things that make my staff's life easier, not mine. Wow. What a selfless way to approach business and even put it in by putting the employees first. Yeah. And, and treating like them like hawk. family. Exactly. Exactly. Like a hawk. I'm out here like uh, I'm in the warehouse right now. So let's talk about warehouse stuff. I was out here the other morning and I realized that in the winter, it's pretty cold here in the morning. And for whatever reason, the warehouse isn't set up for it. And I said, the guys, boy, it's cold out here. Um, and one of them said, yeah, we don't we don't we don't all have gloves like Robert does. And I thought, that sounds cool. Hey, Robert, what kind of gloves are they? And the next day, everyone had gloves. It's just a little thing. Right. And two two days after that, we had space heaters out here. 
right? Wow. And two days after that, I hired someone to come in and put insulation in. Um, and staff don't always notice. <laughs> they're not always grateful. But at the end of the month and at the end of the year, they, you know, you'll find that they're more productive and they are happier. Most of them do notice over time. It's not always. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's just a great way to build like that company culture as well, just to show them that while the boss really cares about us, he really, we really matter. And uh, it just makes you want to work harder. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do you define success as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. It's different from everybody. And I don't think my definition works for everybody, but for me, um, success is a security, a, a lifestyle of security um, that allows me liberty. Uh, liberty is a word I use a lot. Um, right now, I am really enjoying personally running this one particular business. I have a general manager for, for two other businesses, and they're doing great. They don't really need me that much. I'm there to support and supervise. But for this business, I really enjoy running it, so I am. But I need to be at a point in my life where if I'm not enjoying this business, that I can take a different tack. I can have a general manager in here running it, and I can take off to Morocco for a month. Uh, last year, for instance, I went to Morocco for a month. I had a friend there. His family's from there, and he invited me personally. And I thought, what a better way to explore a, a new country. And it was amazing. And I like having that liberty of being able to get up and go. Um, and so that's the way. That's the why. That's the why for me. The reason I run my business is the way I do, is so that I can go in and I can have high impact if I want to be here in person. And I can take off and go do something else that's meaningful to me, um, if that's if that's my druthers. Exactly. I mean, and I learned that you love to travel. I yeah. do too, but I want to ask, you know, what are some insights or some downloads that, that stood out to you while you spent your time traveling, while you spent that time in, in Morocco or, or anywhere else? I think like, like a general manager, you have to, you have to have your head on the swivel all the time. You have to notice things. You have to notice that when people start coughing, you have to notice when two people don't start, you know, are, are not getting along. You have to notice when the guys are cold or if people start showing up late and you have to ask yourself why, because it's, it's effective for the business. Right. I think when you travel and when you're trying to learn new things, um, an open mindset like that makes all the difference in the world. I've traveled with so many people who don't like the tea here. It's not, it's not the same. And, you know, the hotels don't answer the way you want to. And boy, it takes a long time to get a cab here. And I, th I really think that's a, a way to go about it that doesn't allow you to enjoy the experience. The question is, OK, now I'm here. I'm in Tangier. What's different about Tangier? I don't know. And then let it lead you. Let it guide you. Right. Um, I, when I was one of the things I noticed when I was in Tangier, actually, speaking of which, is that they're a city that's really proud of their variety. Mm -hmm. um, they have, they represent a lot of different religions there and they all tend to get along. And in the Middle East and, and in Southern Europe, there's a lot of arguing between religious, uh, factions, et cetera. And they have like a mosque and a, a Jewish community center and a Catholic church all in the same block. And everyone seems to talk about it. It seems like it could be a point of local pride. And so I just stopped what I was doing. I was going to go to the market. I stopped what I was doing and I did an excursion on religious stuff that day. I thought this is something the locals are proud of. I'd like to know more about it. And it turns out there's a lot to learn there. Um, and if I had just went to the market because that's what I thought I was supposed to do, I would have seen pretty spices, but I could have seen that in Marrakesh and I could have seen that in Hungary and I could have seen it in, you know, lots of places. The thing that was special about Tangier was, was, uh, revealing itself to me and I captured it and went on. And I think that's the best advice to give to a traveler is to go somewhere with a plan. Sure. And then let it speak to you, uh, listen carefully and follow your heart there. Cause you won't forget those things. Absolutely, man. 
that just goes back to what we spoke about earlier, just the curiosity and then actually listening yeah. and, and, and being open-minded, like you mentioned. Um, how would you like for people to remember you as well as the companies <laughs> that you've built? Yeah. Oh, that I'm not special. That's what I'd like people to remember genuinely. Um, I'm just a guy, right, who tried to run a business and failed a lot um, and realized that the business is going to fail unless I fixed it. And so I, I did a top five list and I realized the things I needed to learn were X and Y or A, B, and C. And I just took the time to learn them. And I watched podcasts and I read books and I called mentors and I got pretty good at those two things and I moved on to the next. Soon be, they didn't become an emergency anymore, right? My staff was not leaving all the time because I was a jerk. You know, suddenly my staff were starting to, you know, convey some loyalty. And I thought, well, geez, this is really working, right? Um, so let's keep getting better at that, but it's not an emergency anymore. Now let's talk about whatever facilities or operations or cash flow management or something. Um, and business is a set of business skills that you can learn and you can refine by just trying them over and over again. Um, I'm that guy. I'm a guy who didn't come in with a business idea. I didn't have an invention. I didn't have a bunch of money. Um, I wasn't sponsored by Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. I just started a business. I was terrible at it, you know, and I kept working at it until I made it work uh, five different ways for five different companies. And I think that's what I want people to remember about me um, is someone approachable that they can call and say, hey, I'm in a situation that you've never seen before, but I bet you can help me problem solve through it. Absolutely. Just having that resilience to keep going, that con consistency and persistence. Yeah. So what is the future of Beachview Group look like to you? Mm, good question. Um, I love the small business acquisition space. I will likely either grow. I've started two businesses in the last year that are that are new. I will either grow them and exit from them or acquire and conglomerate them. Um, and then eventually, uh, 10 years from now, I want, you know, I will have run a dozen different companies at that time and exited them. I really want to spend most of my time helping other people do that. Um, and I don't care if that makes me a billion dollars or not. I just, I'll feel satisfied knowing that I'm helping other people achieve success. Absolutely. Man, Todd, this has been an incredible interview, man. You've dropped a lot of gems and given us a lot of actionable <laughs> so. steps, man. So thank you so much for, uh, you know, just sharing and, and giving us the chance to pick your brain. I really appreciate it, man. Anytime. It was a pleasure talking to you, Wesley. You had really good questions. Thanks for being prepared. Absolutely.